0: From Leader in Me Studios, I'm Molly Garcia. This is The Empowering Teacher. This has been another tough year, hasn't it? And I think we're all feeling it. We're tired, and some of us really tired, and some of us honestly just straight burnt out. It doesn't start out this way. For many of us, we begin our year renewed and ready to take on the world. And yet, it's in this space between the beginning of the year and our never-ending to-do list that we have this real push and pull on our hearts, where we want so much for our students and feel like we don't have enough time to do it all. It's this pattern that we can fall into where we unintentionally neglect those areas of our life that truly honor balance and renewal. It's real. And it's where we're going today in our conversation with New York Times best-selling author and president of Franklin Covey Education, Sean Covey. Sean, welcome back to the Empowering Teacher Podcast.
1: Thank you, Molly. I'm so glad to be back. Thank
0: you. Thank you. It's an honor to share space with you today. And I want us to embrace our conversation today. You know, educator wellness has been a hot topic for sure over the past two years, certainly. And we also know it's it's not a new topic for education at all. I mean, honestly, it's a part of my coaching every single day, every time I'm on a school site, whether I'm working with grade levels or our support teams or administrators, and some are feeling so overwhelmed that they can't even begin to think about carving out time to take care of themselves. And this is why I hope every educator puts this episode on replay Because we're going to address how Habit 7, Sharpen the Saw, can bring us some clarity around the power of making wellness a priority and doable strategies that our educators can do now. Since this is our hope for our work today, Sean, anything you just want to say to our educators before we begin?
1: You know, the work that you're doing in education, outside of the work that you do in your own homes with your own families... The work you're doing with students is the most important work going on in the world. and You know the impact you can make on the lives of students just by the way you treat them and by identifying needs and responding and so on. And that makes you feel like you don't want to waste any time on anything else other than helping your students. You know, but the reality is, as we've all learned so many times, and always have to relearn, is we can never be too busy driving to take time to get gas. And it's sharpening the saw, it's just so vitally important, especially with extra pressure and everything that COVID has brought with it and the stress of that, it just makes it you know, more stressful. And then you feel like when you get more stressed, typically we say, oh geez, I really don't have time now. But we've also all experienced what happens when we get burned out, we just don't think as well, we're not as kind, we can um, sometimes lose our cool, you know, you just don't come through as well as you you typically can. Molly, I recently had an experience where I was totally burned out and I took a vacation to Hawaii and I didn't feel like I had time. So I didn't want to do it. I actually did not want to go. My wife kind of made me go and it was with my siblings. And so finally I just said, okay, I'll go. And after about three days, I finally was able to let loose and relax for the first time in a long time. I'm telling you, coming back Even though I got behind on some things, coming back, boy, my clarity of thought, my decision-making, my sense of well-being had improved so much that I thought I've got to always find time to take breaks, to go on vacations, to sharpen the saw. However, you know, whatever ways I might find, but I I have to do that. I just was reminded one more time about the importance of it.
0: I love that example, Sean, especially when you share, you didn't want to go. Like even to hear you say it made me chuckle a little bit, like you didn't want to go to Hawaii, right? It's that whole idea of the dedication and the passion to the mission. And I think teachers can relate to that. I'm even thinking of like, they don't want to be out for a sick day. They don't want to be out for anything, a doctor's appointment, because they know that the mission of saving lives and changing lives is so empowering and life-changing. And to also hear you say when you came back, although it took you a while to just unwind and just remember the importance of why you're going in and re- feeling renewed, the clarity. And I think that's the foundation of our conversation today is Habit 7, how we can use that as just a foundation to our own wellness. And I would Love for us to begin by defining what Habit 7, Sharpen the Saw, is for our listeners. Maybe a reminder for those that are within our Leader Me schools, but also an introduction for those that may not be familiar with it.
1: Yeah, well, it's just a metaphor, you know, Sharpen the Saw is a metaphor of, my dad tells the story of a man walking through the forest and comes across a lumberjack that's sawing down a tree, and he says to him, hey, looks like you're going at it. What are you doing? He goes, I'm trying to get this tree down. Well, how long have you been at it? A few hours. And then he notices that his saw is dull and says, well, maybe if you took time to sharpen the saw, you could go a lot faster. And he turns around and and the lumberjack says, well, I'm too busy sawing to do that. So I'll just have to keep going. The idea is if you were to take a few minutes, uh, imagine there's two more hours left to saw down that tree. And he's thinking it's going to take me 15 minutes to sharpen the saw. And I don't have that time. The reality is if you took the 15 minutes, he could saw it down in 30 minutes afterwards, right, instead of two hours. So you lose a little bit of time, but you pick up a lot of time in the end. And so the idea of Habit 7, Sharpen the Saw, is to renew yourself on a regular basis. You've got four parts to you. We do as humans. We have a body, the physical. We have a heart, the social-emotional. We have a mind, the mental. And we have a spirit. Which is kind of your inspiration, where what motivates you, and so forth, and all four of these parts need to be renewed and and refreshed on a regular basis. and And habit seven is the last habit because it's the habit of renewal, and it encircles and encompasses all the other ones, and makes them realistic, makes them happen. You know, the idea that we've got to always be renewing and preparing and helping ourselves get back to our best selves and the spirit of improvement. You know, that's what habit seven is all about.
0: It reminds me so much of the analogy of a Jenga set. You know, they build upon each other and habit seven is this ribbon that ties them all together. And if you untether that ribbon, they all come crashing down. And so really seeing them as they're interdependent, right? So if we don't have habit seven holding it, we really do get burnt out. And burnt out is On the plus side, I mean, there are other things that can definitely affect our lives when we don't really just hold on to habit seven. And here's what comes to mind as you were describing each one of those four dimensions, heart, body, mind, and spirit what happens if we only make time for two of the four dimensions, right? So there are only two spaces that we say we have time for that we're going to take care of and we don't do all four. What happens?
1: The same thing that happens with a a car, right? You've got four tires and even if one tire is wearing unevenly, if one tire is like really low on air, it'll impact the other three. They'll all wear unevenly because of that. So habit seven is about renewal. It's also about balance and how we need balance and how you can go hard on two and neglect two, and it affects the two you're going hard on. And so it's an ecosystem. And if we're, for example, going really hard in some areas, but neglecting the body, it catches up to you, and you just don't feel well, and you just can't think as well. If you're going really hard just producing and working, and this is the one I struggle with, and we don't continue to renew and improve our minds, so continually reading and Staying up to date in your profession, going to conferences and the, you know, getting better all the time mentally in that area that can impact you, right? In a negative way. So they're all important. You've got your body, which is your health, your stress levels, and your sleeping and eating and dieting and exercise and so forth. That's important. You've got the heart, which is relationships, right? And keeping those renewed and spending time with the most important people in your life. And that can get neglected so easily, right? Because you get so busy. Any one of these that you neglect over time, not immediately, that's what makes it hard sometimes, but over time, it'll have a negative result.
0: I remember being at a coaching day and there was this aha question that was asked. And I thought, oh my gosh, what an opportunity for us to look at these four dimensions just kind of interwoven with each other. The question was, it was a great question. It was like, how do I have time to address these four dimensions they were seen it as in isolation right like I now I have my body time I have my heart time and the group of teachers that were around the table were amazing because they talked about how they could actually integrate all four of those dimensions right so I can go walking with a friend while building the heart and those relationships and I'm also working on my body so what words of wisdom would you have to say about you know just are they done in isolation?
1: Yeah, well, sometimes they can be, and I think it's really smart when you can do them together and combine two or three, sometimes all four. You know, For example, my big goal this year is to spend an hour a day in professional development. Right? So now I don't have. <laughs> so I'm trying to find it, but I just know that I just feel like, you know, if I do this a year from now, I'll be in a much better spot in my profession than I am right now, and I've got to find the time. I've got to just figure out how to organize myself accordingly. But then I thought, because of COVID, I've been sitting a lot more than I used to. I'm on Zoom a lot more than I used to be. When my daughter got me into this 10,000 steps a day thing, you know, I'll go all day on Zoom and get 2,000 steps in. So I've come up with this idea that I'm starting to do now, which is I listen to audio tapes while I walk, right? And I'm taking these walks in the day and at night and in the mornings, I've got books that I'm going through now that I didn't have time for. So I'm finding time to do both at the same time. Right. And that's a good example. And you could also, you know, I, my wife and I are both busy and we struggle to find time together sometimes. And this is a, my most important relationship. And so going on walks with her, right. For example, and we're starting to do that and other things. And If you think about it, you can find ways of overlapping the different dimensions so you can be more efficient with your soft sharpening.
0: I love that. Efficient and intentional. That's such a beautiful marriage of those two ideas coming together. I'm so grateful that you gave that example because I'm channeling my inner educator where we can say things. It's almost like a broken record that plays over and over again. I just don't have time to take care of myself and you gave that exact same example. And I'm thinking, what do we have to do intentionally to shift our paradigm? Because it's so easy for us to fall back into that record.
1: Yeah, it is. Well, I think that you know sometimes just hearing it can spark that idea. I know that when I go to a conference or something, I typically will say to myself, okay, I'm going to come away with two things I'm going to do differently. Not forty.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but
1: two, and if I'm kind of listening for that, I'll usually hear one or two things that can be a a big new thing that sets me off in a new direction. So I'm hoping if you're listening to this right now, that the truth of Habit Seven, Sharpen the Saw, will resonate with you. That you just cannot neglect this. And that you'll be better off if you take those 15 minutes, so to speak, than that example I used earlier to sharpen your saw and watch what happens. And just the time that you lost sharpening the saw will be made up in spades that very day sometimes, right? I think that's one thing is just a paradigm shift. Another one is just to start, just begin it. You know, as Goethe said, whatever you can do or dream you can, begin it. Boldness has genius, power, and magic in it and the idea that just starting to do something and seeing the benefits right starting with the one thing i know my daughter was just kind of kind of in a funk she's 25 she graduated from college a couple of years ago and she's had two or three boys propose to her and she said no <laughs> she just she's not ready to get married and she just wasn't feeling good about things and she started to realize her sleep schedule was really messed up you know she really changed her life by going to bed early and getting up early, that one thing. And she read this article by this gentleman who just said, if, if things are really messed up in your life, try this one thing. Go to bed at 10.30 and get up at 6.30. <laughs> Do that for 30 days and watch how your life will improve. So she started out on this uh, quest to, you know, get good sleep. And she always tries to get seven plus hours. And she makes it a priority. And it's really helped her tremendously, kind of feel better about herself, about her life, to get more grounded. So that's one thing I'd encourage as well is just, you know, what's the one thing that if you did in the area of sharpening the saw, whether it's physical, mental, spiritual, or social would make all the difference and just commit to that one thing and start doing it. It might be, I'm going to have a weekly date night with my spouse or partner, or, you know, I'm going to go to bed early and get up early, or I'm going to start having a green smoothie every day, (laughs) whatever it might be, that one thing could spark other things.
0: Even that word in itself, the one thing could help kind of shift that paradigm because it doesn't become overwhelming. I'm not trying to do all things all at once, but I'm going to slowly take that one thing that I think will have a great impact and kind of reap the benefits of that. And then when it's natural, and makes sense to add that on. And, you know, I think about just the daily schedule of a teacher. What are some of those daily practices that our teachers can do to keep winning that daily private victory in their day? What are some daily practices, Sean, that would help out?
1: Yeah, well, I'll I'll share a few then. And Molly, I know you're coaching our principals and teachers all the time. So I'm gonna ask you to share a few, okay? From what you found as well since this is a dialogue.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I love that.
1: Finding time before school and after school, first of all, right, is finding moments where you can have some private time and some thinking time. I find for myself, I, I try to spend 20 minutes every morning just kind of thinking about the day and planning and prepping. And I just find if I do that, it makes such a difference. The days go so much better, you know. And I typically do that. That's just kind of my quiet time. And I've just I've always found 20 minutes. So I think finding your own ritual before the day begins is really important because once the day begins, you're into a lot of crises. I think also during the day, finding little breaks for me, I set apart 15 minutes be- between meetings. Sometimes I know with the, with the teacher, you often don't have that break. It's just uh, thinking through your day and saying, is there, are there little moments for the day where I can go sit in the back room or sit in the lounge and Call my mother or relax or you know have some downtime some quiet time, and then um also having rituals at night you know before you go to bed of ways you can relax so it's really just kind of thinking through your day and it's before during, and after your block of time where you're at school that you can identify just ways of taking a break of getting out of the routine and again it's always hard when you're in these crises, but you always come back refreshed and thinking better.
0: Yeah. I to say there's so much wisdom behind the word simple. And I know we go back to, you know, simple doesn't always mean easy. It's this permission to give ourselves for it just to be, you know, these brief breaks, you know, these daily practices that don't take hours on end or lots of preparation. We were at a, a school, Sean, and we did this activity that where we drew like an outline of a person. And we had all of the school leaders, teacher leaders, building leaders, and a few superintendents. And we asked, you know, hey, from the moment you wake up to the moment you go to bed, let's jot down all the things you do. I mean, we just put it all on the outside of the bubble. I mean, it was like some ate breakfast, some didn't eat breakfast, some were running. I mean, the list just went on and on. I just remember like teachers looking at, you know, were were there any classes that were canceled that day? Were they going to have to cover any classes? Principals went into, was anyone going to be out for the day? Is anyone sick? Do we need to support anybody? I mean, the list just went on and on. And as we sat back and we looked at all those words that were surrounding that imaginary person We said, now I want you to think about that one child that lays on your heart before you go to bed or the child that you just think about when you get to school, you worry about them. Would you be okay if they had that same exact life, that they were working through those things? And it paused everybody in the room for a minute thinking, that's a lot of burden to put on a child and how do we help to model a better balance in our lives. And so they started to to kind of just bring these ideas of small little pockets of wins that they could do and modeling. One of the great things about our educators is that they know the strongest strategy we can bring into a school building is modeling. And so that kind of started the conversation or where those small wins that they can model within the classroom, you know, everybody taking a water break everybody's standing up and doing an infinity walk together. Okay, we're going to walk down the hallway and I want you to think of, you know, one great thing that you bring into the world and I'm going to high five you when you come in the classroom, you're going to share. And the other part is it's a collective effort. So how can we together as a team, you know, a lot of teachers set some great team goals of we're going to walk for the first 10 minutes of our lunch together as a team and just laugh. We're not going to talk anything about school. We're just going to laugh and tell, you know, a a great funny joke that's going to bring us to some joy in our hearts. So going back to that wisdom you brought into our conversation of just making them small, simple things that are doable, but that impact heart, body, mind, and spirit. And and just remind ourselves, it's not something that it's got to be this huge plan, but looking at those dimensions and keeping it simple.
1: I love it. I think the modeling is so key because if you're stressed out, the kids will feel it, right? And I can think about time when my kids basically said to my wife and I, you guys are too busy and you're running around too frantic and it doesn't seem like you're happy. It really hurt me. It just hit me really hard though that the best thing I can do for my children is to model balance and happiness and they're watching for that. And so I've made an effort to try to be better at that but I think this modeling is is really key. Another thing to think about is I had a seminar once with uh, this company that does what they call the corporate athlete. They've written a lot of articles through the years, and it's just all about, you know, how you perform best when you're at work. And they do a lot of comparisons. These people that formed this company were uh, famous athletes before, you know, and they just did all these comparisons with like different sports and how everyone has a ritual for gathering themselves. Think about a tennis player, right? Between a a shot, there might be 30 to 60 seconds, right? Between a point. And they have their routines. They walk a certain area. They turn, walk. They flip their racket. They fix their headbands. And then they get in their position. And a lot of times they'll look down and spin their racket three times to the left and three times to the right. And shift their weights back and forth. But they they all have their rituals in between every point. And they just made the point of it. it's a way of gathering themselves, of renewing and getting ready for the next shot. And in like manner we need to come up with our own little rituals. And some of the things you were suggesting would be a a new ritual, right? And they can be done together. They could be done with a class. As you were talking, I'm thinking, boy, couldn't you come up with several things you could do as as a classroom together? Say, hey, kids, we're all stressed out. (laughs) So let's brainstorm some ideas of how we can have some breaks throughout the day to get us connected, you know, and to and to relax. And I'll bet... You could come up with a number of really cool ideas.
0: I love that teaching is a collective process. I mean, we need each other as professionals and colleagues and we need each other as students. I think when we can model that conversation and and jumping in there, that analogy of a ritual, you know, what's resonating for me, Sean, is, you know, when you talked about the player kind of having their little routine before each play, so to speak, it didn't take long. It didn't take the whole game, but it was enough to get them in the right mindset to move forward, which A game has lots of challenges, right? So as you navigate through that and being able to lean into that ritual, which brings me to how can we use habit seven? There's a lot of power in sharpening the saw to help us navigate those challenges that are just part of our profession. How do we use habit seven to help us navigate through that effectively?
1: A few things come to mind. One is just giving yourself permission, as you've said a couple of times here, to put on your own oxygen mask first, right? Before you put on somebody else's I think is so key it just starts with that paradigm that this is an important thing and it's okay to be balanced and it's okay to take time for myself and there are seasons of imbalance right and sometimes you need to go really hard for a week or a few weeks but it's really hard to do months of imbalance or a year of imbalance or to say i'm going to go hard from september through may and then i'll rest in the summer right just doesn't work well. So I think that the highest level just changing your mindset to give yourself permission to sharpen your saw. I think a second thing would be, I call it the daily private victory. And it's the idea that every day, find ways of renewing yourself. I do mine in the morning as I, I shared before. I exercise every day. And then I spend the 20 minutes kind of preparing myself mentally emotionally for the day by planning and and thinking ahead and I read inspiring literature and contemplate. So that's my daily private victory. And I find that when I do my planning and I try to plan on a weekly basis, I will set apart the first hour for exercise and this planning. And I do it probably not every day, but I'm probably 80 to 90% of the time, right? Because sometimes things come up, you just can't change. But I think that's key. Another one, and the one I just mentioned is just the idea of planning ahead, I think is a great way of sharpening the saw. It's a quadrant two activity. In quadrant two, as we learn in habit three, are things that are not urgent, but important, right? They're important, but not urgent. And it's, it's things like planning and preparation, relationship building, prevention, exercise, doing things before they're due. So finding time to plan on a regular basis is another way of sharpening your saw. Because you're getting ahead of yourself and you're blocking out time for things that are important our experience at franklin covey having taught time management skills for decades to, to millions of people is that planning is everything and especially on a weekly basis where you can get ahead of the grind of the day either like on a sunday night or a monday morning whenever your week starts get ahead of it by looking through your week and saying okay It looks like a pretty crazy week, but I'm gonna block out these three mornings for some exercise this evening to get away with my my friends to go out to dinner. I'm gonna call my mom on this night and just saying, here's some things I'm just gonna block out in advance. And I know I won't be able to do all of them perhaps because something might come up, but I could do eight out of 10 of them. So those are a few ideas, just mindset, blocking out time, Finding your own daily private victory, and we call it a private victory because if you can succeed privately, it'll help you in the public arenas of life. Right? It'll help you in school. It'll help you in your in your teaching with the kid with the tough situation. If you win those private battles, you'll be more likely to win in public.
0: I love that, Sean. Just because you know there's so many challenges that sometimes we didn't even see coming, um, especially in the past two years, and. One of the things that it doesn't matter what state I'm in working with schools is it always comes back to the student, right? So I don't have time. I've got to do this for my student. I don't have time. We've got to make sure the kids have this. And the conversation always comes back to that. So I'd really love for our listeners to hear wisdom around by educators choosing to make Habit 7 a priority. What benefits do our students gain?
1: I think the benefits are, one, they're seeing good modeling. Um, a principal told me a story and I actually have it in the new four disciplines book about how he wanted to model this for his school. And he set a public goal to go from a couch to 5k, right. And uh, achieved his goal and uh, really set a good example for the whole school. Everybody was cheering him on. I think it, it's um, modeling. I think it gives the kids your best self and we can all feel when someone is fully present and happy and well adjusted versus feeling burned out, stressed, and overburdened. So I think it's an opportunity to, to bring our best selves to work, you know, to the kids. But um, those, are, those are a couple of thoughts that come to mind. How about for you?
0: I almost get emotional thinking about just the strong dedication that our amazing educators have for our students. And what I hope our listeners here today, Sean, that I think we've probably said multiple ways, is <laughs> just that when we take care of ourselves and we let go of that guilt, that our students really, really gain so much from the educator because we know that they are the number one indicator of student success. And when they're good in heart, body, mind, and spirit, our students benefit and it's modeled for them. Just like you said, they get to see what that balance and renewal looks like in another human being. And I think there's so much value in that students they fall in love with their teachers. They watch everything that they do. And I think what a great way for them to use what they're naturally and innately good at is modeling and bringing that to students. And thank you for just sharing with us today, Sean, the importance of winning the daily private victory. I mean, this is such a critical conversation. So thank you for that. It truly means the world to us.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Okay, Sean, we're going to jump right into <laughs> the segment that we like to call the What Would Sean Do? And this is the really cool part of our podcast today. We're going to actually use an amazing resource that we have from Leader Me Online. A reminder to our listeners, if you have not discovered this resource, the habit chat cards, go to Leader Me Online, find a quick minute this week to check them out. They're just a phenomenal way to engage students staff and our families into conversations that they dig into the habits and the leader and me five core parents so sean you're going to love these questions are you ready
1: okay i'm ready to go yeah
0: all right so when you answer these i want you to think of like the power of students having this in their hands too it's just great what made you smile this week
1: seeing my 13 year old boy dress up like a goon before his basketball game just to <laughs> to get a, get a rise out of the other players.
0: <laughs> yeah. Instant smile. Instant smile. Okay. If you could trade places with anyone for a day, who would it be?
1: Oh, wow. That's a hard one, right? I'd say uh, what came to mind is President Zelensky of Ukraine, because I we have a uh, leader in me is going in Ukraine, and we had a meeting with him six weeks ago about taking this country wide, and I'm just crushed to see what's happening. And, I've been praying that this President Zelensky and his family will make it out alive. So I'd love to relieve his burden for a day.
0: Mm, yeah. Yeah. That speaks to the heart for sure. Yeah. Yeah. All right. What is the number one quality that makes someone a leader that you would want to
1: follow? Affirmation. They mm. believe in you. Mm-hmm. Um, so much power. Yeah. My older brother, Stephen, is my, when N asks who's the leader you'd want to follow, I say it's him because. He's so good at just affirming you and believing in you and you can fill it and You'd you'd run through a brick wall for him.
0: Yeah. And it's so great to see that quality, Sean, in so many of our educators today. That affirmation piece of seeing worth of potential in students, in teachers, in everyone in their school community, they're aligned right to what you're seeing and- very aligned to your brother and his work as well. So love that that was your response for that question. Sean, of course, thank you for just having some fun with us and everyone will be right back with some more greatness from Sean in just a moment. Are you wanting to start implementing student leadership roles on your campus? or do you have leadership roles at your school but are having a hard time with follow-through? I'm Hillary Bloomfield, Education Solutions Partner based in Utah. This video has been around for a while, but it's one of my favorites. It gives you an inside look at how a few schools started implementing student leadership roles, got the teachers excited, and how it impacted their students and school community in a really empowering way. It's called Student Leadership Roles. Check it out on Leader and Me Online. Welcome to the Paradigm Pause. As educators, We can rely on an all-too-familiar paradigm when it comes to our wellness. It's that internal dialogue that tells us we don't have time to take care of ourselves. When we nourish our body, heart, mind, and spirit, we're equipped to rise to the challenges of our profession and fully be present for our students. What would happen if we let go of the grand expectations of what we think self-care is and embrace the small daily routines that can make all the difference in the world? Today, Sean invites us to choose one thing, not five, but one that can make all the difference in our professional and our personal lives. When we begin to shift our paradigm, to look at the small wins and our daily private victory, we can create a routine that's doable. One that we can even share with our students. What do you say? Let's try it out. Take one simple routine or practice that's doable for you. Start there and notice what begins to happen. Welcome back, everyone. As you know, we always end our podcast episode with one doable action step or strategy that the empowering teacher can take right back to the classroom. So, Sean, keeping our focus on the power of Habit 7, what is one thing our teachers can move forward with today that will have a great
1: impact? My one action, if I had to narrow it down to one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. And what teachers could do to sharpen the saw and to work on habit seven, and I'll get really specific here, is develop a good sleep schedule. Seriously, Mm. it's one thing that is hard to do, but I'm I'm telling you, if you will think about it and say, I need X amount of sleep every night, make it a priority. And generally speaking, try to go to bed earlier and get up earlier. I mean, it's a better, I think uh, early to bed, early to rise is a good principle but I've seen this in so many lives. I recommend I do a lot of counseling myself with couples and with individuals. And I always suggest this and have found great benefit from it myself as yes. well as watching other people. So just be saying, I you know, what, I'm going to get seven hours a night or I'm going to eight hours a night or whatever it might be for you. It works for you. Make it a priority. And you'll find if you organize yourself around it, you'll, you can make it happen
0: yeah i love the simplicity of that and it's something i hear teachers sharing with their students all the time making sure they get plenty of sleep and what a great opportunity for us to model that simple one doable action step we can do sean thank you for sharing your genius with us today and of course a big thank you to our listeners keep shining you've got this